Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, yeah, that'll be great. Awesome. Can I invite you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1 and verse 39? Thanks, mate. That's great. Really helpful. It's great to be with you all this afternoon as we mark the second Sunday in Advent together. I want to begin our time by reading an account of the soon-to-be mother of John the Baptizer meeting Mary, the soon-to-be mother of God, and it's from Luke chapter 1 and verse 39. And once you get there, if you're able, can I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Come, Holy Spirit. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his purposes to her. This is the word of the Lord, given to us so that we may know the love of the Father, may practice the way of the Son, and be filled over and over and over again by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Please grab a seat. And can I encourage you to keep your Bibles open in Luke's Gospel as we work our way through today? I have come to... Oh, dear. I'm going to move that back a bit. I have come to believe that in the words of Carl Rayner, that the devout Christian of the future will either be a mystic, someone who has experienced something, namely encountering, feeling, and knowing the felt presence of God, or they will cease to be anything at all. In this really moving account of expectant mothers, Elizabeth experiences something. She experiences something utterly remarkable. Mary has recently discovered that she will bear the Son of God, and so she travels really quickly, 70 miles by herself, into Elizabeth's home. And as she enters the home, The child within Elizabeth, John the baptizer, leaps within her womb. Now, I don't have time to get into this text fully this afternoon to unpack the depth and the richness of it and what's going on here with all of the echoes of the Old Testament story and the power of the prophetic through Elizabeth's inspired declaration. I don't have time today to go into how God moves both slowly and suddenly and the beautiful expression of honor here where we find that Elizabeth isn't jaded because she's had to wait so long for what Mary gets to experience in a moment but instead they form a holy community this community gathered around both waiting and the fulfillment of promise 
I don't even have time to get into the glory of the incarnation, that even though he is in utero, Mary's child is named as Lord, that as he is being fearfully and wonderfully made in his mother's womb, he is at exactly the same time the maker of all that is fearful and wonderful in the world. Right? Rather than do what we normally do today in teaching through this text, I want to invite us to consider that this is like a picture or a parable for us. Because at the heart of this interaction, we have Elizabeth, who as Mary walks into her home, she becomes aware of the presence of Jesus. And with her heightened awareness of God's nearness in a moment that is marked by the filling of the Holy Spirit, that which is within her leaps for joy. Let me ask you today, when you consider the consequence of Christmas, that God is near, that he is Emmanuel, God with us and God with you, does that which is within you leap? God is here, yet does your soul leap for joy? For some of you, the answer to that question will be yes. And for some of you, the answer to that question will be, well, not really. Because for some of us, our souls haven't leapt before, or at least they haven't leapt in a while. That which is within us, our souls, they actually might feel a little bit numb today. In September 2021, Gia Tolentino, a columnist in The New Yorker, she wrote an article called Picturing the Humanity and the Dread of the Infinite Scroll. And she began her article by saying this. It's going to appear on the screen for you. A few days ago, I picked up my phone, and in the course of about a minute, I looked at a, fo- uh, sorry, a photo of my fat cheek baby giggling in a pool, a close-up of a fan-tailed songbird, a video of hundreds of desperate people waiting for a disappearing chance to exit a nightmare, a paragraph in a new story of people dying in a flood, a video of a bikini-clad influencer begging her followers to save the coral reef, a text from a friend who was mad at herself for starting an argument with an anti-vaxxer, and a recipe for cold tomato cilantro soup, which sounds stinking, by the way. You've got to heat that sucker up, right? No time for cold soup. Now, we've all been there. Now, maybe it hasn't been the things that Gia Tolentino has scrolled through, but we have all scrolled through like that, right? Immediately, she goes on to say this, that we prod our phone from morning to evening, seeking both love and terror. It's such a given that it has ceased for many of us to generate meaning. It is already difficult for me to imagine anything other than this, anything other than grabbing the pocket-sized internet to assume the vantage points of a god and a surf simultaneously, anything other than the constant confrontations with systems that demand both our action but also dwarf us into utter inconsequence. After 18 months, remember, this is September 2021, After 18 months in which the physical world has more or less been swallowed up by by digital mediation, I find it hard to remember some days that I am capable of accessing emotional textures aside from the ones I fall into almost any time my fingertips are moving across a phone screen. Numb exhaustion, dull anxiety, and near automated desire. The question, friends, is not whether your soul gets formed. The question is who or what is forming your soul. Trust me on this. What you do with your time, the everyday little choices that you make, they stack up and they shape your soul. 
And so is it any wonder that because we spend so much of our lives living preoccupied in a world that is marked by the practices and the textures of numb exhaustion, dull anxiety, and near automated robotic desire that for so many of us are faith, our souls, our life with Jesus, they are marked by the textures of numb exhaustion, dull anxiety, and near automated desire. Friends, I've got some really good news for you today because I believe that souls leap. For those of us who feel a little bit numb, your soul can leap for joy once again. That is what I want to talk to you about today. I've got some really good news to share with you, but I also want you to pick up that there is some Advent urgency in my voice because I really care about you. I love this community, and I want all of your souls to be filled with the joy of Jesus. But also, right now, from the vantage point in which we stand, I've come to believe more than ever that the devout Christian of the future will either be a mystic, someone who has experienced something, or they will cease to be anything at all. The Christians of the future will be those who prioritize the practice of the presence of God, arranging their lives around the awareness of his nearness. And as they do, their souls will leap. Because as the psalmist says in Psalm 16, it is in his presence that we get to experience the fullness of joy. Let's talk about joy for a second. Because it's pretty hard to define but you know it whenever you see it or when you hear it. In the laughter of a child or in the smile of a saint, you know it's joy whenever you witness someone who has come home to themselves. They are calm, they are curious, they are playful, and they are never in a hurry. Joy is not happiness. It's really important to say that. Happiness gets interrupted, but joy, it can last forever. Dallas Willard puts it like this. Joy is not about pleasure. A mere sensation, but a pervasive and constant state of well-being. It gets into you and it inhabits everything about you. Hope in the goodness of God is joy's indispensable support. Joy is like a grace that as we read in Psalm 30, the Father covers us in his joy. He clothes us with joy. Joy doesn't need to be chased after. Instead, it is simply a gift that we get to receive. We get to receive it as we prepare room for the presence of Jesus. If happiness is like a moment of gladness, this kind of fleeting and then goes away, joy goes much deeper, right down to the level of our longings. Joy comes whenever we experience the fulfillment of that which we long for the most. And ultimately, in this season, we remember the true joy lasting joy, unceasing joy, it comes from one source only, the arrival of Jesus. Because in his coming, the deepest longings of your heart and every single human heart have been fulfilled. We may not be able to put words to the feeling, it's quite a deep feeling, but each human, you are hardwired with a longing to experience life with God and you're restless until you're able to experience that kind of life. In the arrival of Jesus, that deep, often unspoken longing, it has been fulfilled. He's the one that we've been longing for, waiting for. And as he moves towards us, becoming like one of us, 
Well, he draws us closer and closer and closer into his presence, and therefore closer and closer and closer into his joy. Now, we all know what it looks like to chase after the cheaper counterfeit, the knockoff, nuts corner version, which is happiness. I wasn't allowed to get my PS2 chipped, so I'm always raging about that. Now, for some of you, are like, yes, I sympathize with that. So much of life is about the pursuit of happiness, but it so often leaves us feeling empty. And so we find ourselves just moving for the next hype, hype, happiness hit. We just keep moving again and again, looking for that hit. But joy, it is different. While it's really hard to pin down, I have found that joy, it doesn't feel like hype. It doesn't feel like rush. It doesn't feel like hurry. But I have found that joy, it feels like peace. Joy feels like hope. Because even though you may not be happy, even though you might actually be quite sad, you still get to experience joy because weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. But more than anything, I find that joy feels like coming home, coming home to the wonderful truth that I am endlessly and unconditionally loved. Friends, I believe that souls leap. Your soul can leap with joy once again. And while the Spirit does the heavy lifting here, there are some things that we can do to prepare our souls as we partner with him in stepping further and further into our joy. If you still get your Bible, I want you to turn to the next page to Luke chapter 2. Because in Luke 2, we find the shepherds. In verse 8, we find that they are in the Judean hills. They are just looking out over everything. But these shepherds, they are a guide for us as we experience joy. As they're keeping watch over their flocks by night, in verse 10, we read that an angel comes to them, appears in the sky and says this, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Good news for everyone. There is this promise, there is this expectation of joy, joy that will come in the form of God dwelling amongst us. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then in verse 13, we see that heaven's joy couldn't help itself but spill over across the inhabitants of the earth on the night of Christ's arrival. Joy has come, a joy for everyone. The longings of all of humanity have now been fulfilled and the angelic choir cries out glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. Now, imagine being one of the shepherds that night. You've just seen this most remarkable thing. You've heard this most remarkable thing. What do you do in response? Well, the shepherds, they wanted more of where that came from. And so in verse 15, we see that they set out towards Bethlehem. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. In verse 16, we find that they are running towards Bethlehem, chasing after this experience of joy. I love the attitude of the shepherds because they see the glory of the Lord shining around them. They hear this good news of great joy for everybody, but that simply is not enough. There is this restlessness in them, a longing not just to hear the good news, but to see it for themselves, to experience the source of this joy. And so they run. 
And as they ran, they refused to allow this good news to simply remain as an idea, as something they just kind of tick off in their lives. No, they ran towards encountering the good news in the form of a personal, felt presence. The shepherds, they show us the way of joy, not simply allowing Jesus to remain as an idea, but full of desire, they run into the stable of his presence. In verse 16 and in verse 17, they get to see Jesus for themselves. And this moment is such a transform, transformational moment for them. In verse 20, they're just caught up in worship. It says this, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard, but also seen, which is just as they had been told. This is pretty simple stuff this afternoon, but I think it's important stuff for us to hear today. Joy does not come from you thinking about God as a concept or a religion or a tick box exercise. Joy comes from us experiencing God in intimate communion, keeping company with him, experiencing his felt presence for ourselves. The shepherds show us here that a standoffish spirituality is not a spirituality at all. Jesus came here to be known. He came here to be experienced. But here's the thing. Getting to know someone, being in their presence, truly experiencing them and knowing them, it takes a while. And we have so little time, don't we? Thomas Merton speaks of our age. Well, actually, he wrote this in the 1960s. Um, so imagine if he was writing this today, but he said this in the 60s, we live in the time of no room, which is the time of the end, the time when everyone is obsessed with the lack of time, the lack of space, with saving time, with conquering space, projecting into time and space, the anguish produced within by the technological furies of size, volume, quantity, speed, number, price, power, and acceleration. I'm going to hold for a breath. There is no room for nature. There is no room for quiet. There is no room for solitude. There's no room for thought. There's no room for attention. And if I could be so bold as to add to the words of Thomas Merton, I would say there is no room for joy. We are so flippin' preoccupied with the infinite scroll of modern life and its pursuit of happiness that we keep missing Jesus and therefore we keep missing out on his joy. I think it is as simple as this. We just need to make a little bit more room for Jesus in our day. We just need to make more room for him in the shape of our lives. It's no more complicated than that. In John 15, Jesus shares a teaching with his disciples, which I firmly believe is one of the most important teachings of Jesus for our age. He says this, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain or abide or root yourself in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. This is the shape of life that Jesus invites us into, connection with him and obedience to him. And it all hinges on us spending time with Jesus, resting with him, reclining up against him, making our home in the stable of his presence. And then speaking of the shape of this good, true, and beautiful life, Jesus goes on to say this, I have told you this, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy, it may be complete. Our joy comes from abiding, from making room, 
from spending time, from running to and getting to know Jesus. In a busy, noisy, notification-driven world, Jesus and his kingdom, they don't just kind of appear in front of us all the time, screaming for our attention. It's not really the Jesus way. We've been invited to be like the shepherds, to make daily decisions to set out towards Bethlehem, to be in his presence. We've talked about this, Andy and Dana have led us in this over the past couple of weeks. Everything is fighting for your attention right now. And so if we want to be the kind of people who experience joy, we simply need to set out towards Jesus. And we need to do that every single day. Because as we make a little bit more room for him, making intentional choices to abide in him, we become present to his presence. And as we do that, his joy enters into our lives and our joy, it is complete. Friends, I believe that souls leap. Your soul can leap with joy once again. You just need to spend a little bit more time with Jesus and build your home in his presence. That is simply why we've created this Advent prayer book for you and for your family. We want to invite all of you from the youngest member of our community right the way to the oldest to adopt a daily rhythm in your home for three things, for blessing each other, for the reading of scripture and for prayer. Dana and I have written this with the whole family in mind. And so we would love for you to begin to put this into practice in your home and also to have lots of fun as you try to make it your own in your home. There are plenty of copies of the book in the foyer. The welcome team will hand them out on your way out. And we've also recorded a couple of podcast episodes just to help you out as you build this rhythm into Advent. We want to invite you into this rhythm Because I don't know about you, but this is definitely the case for me. So often I can find myself leaving my life with Jesus up to chance. Sometimes I'm not very intentional. And then because of the lack of schedules or feelings or distractions or the chaos of our daily lives, we get to the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, and flip, we haven't spent any time with Jesus ourselves. Never mind inviting our families into this lifestyle of devotion. And we wonder why we feel numb. We wonder why our sense of joy has run dry. I I say this um, humbly, but none of you are holy enough to leave abiding with Jesus up to chance. I'm not holy enough for that. I don't think anybody is. We all need a framework, an architecture, a trellis, like a garden trellis to bind ourselves to. We all need a rhythm and a set of practices that pushes back what is normal for human beings today, which is the formation of numb exhaustion, dull anxiety, and near automated desire. We need a rhythm and a set of practices that invite us into what is normal for humans in the kingdom of God, which is the leaping of hope, peace, love, and joy in our souls. And as we consider what lies ahead in the future, and again, please hear the Advent urgency in my voice. We need to begin right now to model out to the future Christians, those who are across the hall and the ones that we are raising and our grandchildren, we need to model out for them what it means to be a mystic. 
those who are devoted to Jesus because they have chosen to abide in his presence and never leave. A standoffish spirituality does not cut it for the adults right now, and it definitely won't cut it for the children in the future. We need to model out to them a lifestyle of devotion where we are making daily decisions to go to Bethlehem. Teaching our children what it means to abide in him in the thick of ordinary, noisy, everyday life will allow their faith in the future to flourish and not flounder. It begins right now. This Advent, we want to invite all of us to prepare him room by spending time in the presence of Jesus through an intentional rhythm with your family where we choose to get as close to him as we possibly can. I shared this quote from C.S. Lewis last year. It probably wasn't the best time to be able to do it. Um, So let me share it now because it's a good time to share it. It'll make sense in a moment. Good things as well as bad, you know, are caught by a kind of infection. Uh, Yeah, I know. Not a good time to share that quote in COVID land. But anyway, if you want to get warm, you've got to stand near the fire. If you want to get wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy... If you want power, if you want peace, if you want eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. Friends, if you want joy, you gotta get close to Jesus. It is as simple as that because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Friends, I believe that souls leap and by making room for Jesus every day, I firmly believe that your soul can leap once again. That is our role in this partnership, this divine dance that we get to engage in with the Holy Spirit. It's what we get to do. But as I wrap up, and uh, James, Hannah, and Tom and Alex, do you guys want to come on up? I want to remind you of what the Holy Spirit wants to do, the part he plays in this partnership, the role he plays in this divine dance. And ultimately, it is what he has done from the very beginning. On Friday in our homes, as we were reading through this book together and the scripture reading, we read the second line of our story together. And it spoke of the earth being formless, shapeless, void and empty. And yet the Holy Spirit, he was hovering over the waters. He was brooding over them. He was pregnant with the potential of a world that was teeming with life. And then God speaks, let there be light. And there was light. My hunch is that for some of you, the opening lines of our story from Genesis chapter 1 is a bit like a parable. It's a bit like a picture of what is going on within you, your soul. It's a bit shapeless. There's no real rhythm to it. There's no intentionality at the minute. But more than anything, you feel empty. You feel a bit numb. Your soul feels vacant. Whenever it comes to your life with Jesus, it's a bit shapeless, but it's feeling empty right now. And maybe it's always felt like that, or maybe just in recent years, or maybe because we've had to journey through one of the most chaotic moments of our lives, it's really began to feel like that. Friends, here's the thing. I believe that the Holy Spirit, just like he has always done and always will do, he is hovering over you right now. He is hovering over your innermost being. Deep is crying out to deep. The Holy Spirit is brooding over your soul, pregnant with the possibility of you experiencing new creation life. I believe souls can leap. 
I believe souls can leap with joy. I believe that our lives can teem with the life of new creation. We just need to make a little bit more room, room for the indwelling presence of God, his Holy Spirit to fill us. And as he fills us, that which is within him transforms that which is within us. The Holy Spirit, he wants to fill you with his love, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his self-control. But today, I think he wants to fill you with his joy. Friends, I got some really good news for you today. The wonder of Advent isn't that Jesus came here so that we could just saunter on through life with numb exhaustion, dull anxiety, and near automated desire. No, the wonder of Advent is that Jesus came that we may have life his life and life in all of its fullness. I believe that souls leap. I believe in a spirit that falls and a spirit that fills his creations with hope, with peace, with love, and with joy. Would you stand with me as we come to respond? We read this in Luke's gospel. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you today, church, to make room for Jesus, but I also want to invite you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, for some of you, this will be the first time that this happens, but for others of you, like me, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit a lot. Truthfully, most days I pray that the Spirit would fill me. Whenever I was driving past the centre on the way here this morning, I prayed that the Holy Spirit would fill me. Don't worry, I kept my eyes open as I did it. But for those of you where your soul feels a bit shapeless and a bit empty, but maybe just as I have been speaking today, there's been a sense of longing, a sense of desire for the joy of Jesus. It's just been rising up in you. It is my prayer today that you would be filled by the Spirit who is brooding over you, eager to bless you with his life. And if that is you today, I want to invite you to follow the example of the shepherds. After they heard the joy was here, after they heard the joy was available, they were like, ah, oh, cool, whatever. And just kept on looking after the sheep. No, they made a move. They ran, they bolted after encountering this joy for themselves. And so if that is you today, the best thing that we can do as the church for you today is pray for you. Since the birth of the church, which happened as the Holy Spirit fell and filled his people, Christians have chosen to pray for one another, chosen to lay hands on one another and welcome the Holy Spirit, asking him to fill our friends. And we wanna invite you to do that today. I've emailed a couple of my friends, but I want to invite them up. Any tribe leaders who are available to pray, any of our team or staff team, can I just invite you to the front just to make yourself available to pray for people today? Come on up, thanks guys. As these guys come to the front, um, I know these people, they're good people. They're people who walk in step with the Holy Spirit. They are joyful people. Now that doesn't mean that they're always happy, right? But they're full of joy. And these guys would love to pray for you today. And as the tools and the Hamiltons lead us in worship, if you want to receive joy, if you want your soul to leap, if you want that which is a bit shapeless and void to be filled with the life of Jesus, I want to invite you simply just to come to the front and a few of these folks would just love to lay on hands and pray for you. Now, Advent is a season of waiting. 
but don't wait today, all right? Don't hang about, come to the front, be like the shepherds and make your move. And here's the thing, there is nothing special about up here, right? It's exactly the same as down there, but it's just up here. But what is special is you making your move up to the front. It's like you saying what you're doing in your body is what you want in your soul. You're moving towards Jesus, desiring more of him, longing to experience his joy. So before we respond, why don't you just take a moment and just close your eyes. Just catch your breath. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill your people with joy. We welcome you, Lord, right now. Friends, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you, all of you, would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I invite you, come to the front, receive prayer, receive your joy, and let's worship together.